0: When they got on the mat, they had to perform and hit harder, and they were rougher on each other than we were. Hello, and welcome to Lady Wrestler, the story behind the story. A behind-the-scenes look at the new documentary, Lady Wrestler, the amazing untold story of african-american women in the ring the documentary is now available on amazon prime video lady wrestler tells the story of courageous black women who broke racial and gender boundaries in pro wrestling in the nineteen fifties sixties and seventies i'm chris born and i've directed the documentary my favorite songs growing up was The Men All Pause" by Climax, an all-female R&B group. The song is about men taking notice and focusing all their attention on women who are very special. This scenario certainly describes the relationship between the wrestling legends I interviewed for Lady Wrestler, Ethel Johnson, Ramona Isbell, and Ethel Brown, and their legions of adoring fans around the world. I mean, these women back in the day, they were getting ready to start grappling. I mean, they would throw you into the ropes and grab your hair and you would see the strings of the hair and it would form you and kick you in the face and it would punch and hit. In fact, the passion that male fans have for women's wrestling is definitely something that stood out to me as I was putting the documentary together. Why is women's wrestling perhaps the only sport in which female performers are the main attraction and the fan base is predominantly male. To get some answers to this question, I consulted three men who definitely know what they're talking about. John Orlando, host of the PVD cast about wrestling and all things pop culture. Nick Alexander, co-host of the Tin Bell Pod podcast, which chronicles the history of wrestling, and Antonio Hernandez, a filmmaker and longtime wrestling supporter. Here's what John Orlando had to say.
1: I feel that the appeal of women's wrestling to some male fans, um, especially in the early days of women's wrestling, was based in a kind of an eroticism, unfortunately. You know, I think that uh, many psychologists and many sociologists would tell you that there's a kind of a, a sexual idea of two pretty women fighting each other. And I think that that concept was galvanized quite a bit by a lot of different factors, you know, society, uh, pro wrestling structure, uh, the money that was brought in, uh, you know, popular culture. For an example, I feel like the Weston Mags, um, you know, that put out Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the Wrestler and Inside Wrestling. For years, they had uh, in apartment wrestling in, in the back of, I believe, Sports Review Wrestling. And I think that that helped to kind of solidify this idea of the hypersexual nature of women's wrestling uh, throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s and even into the early 80s. But I feel that like there was another uh, different appeal for some men watching women's wrestling and that was that you know it was unique. it was different uh, because women were not booked every single month or every single week in a territory. They were brought in as a special attraction. And so not being seen all the time, I think many men, you know, garnered curiosity about these women wrestlers.
0: And here's Nick Alexander's take.
2: As far as women's wrestling appealing to male wrestling fans, I think if you're a good wrestling fan and a reasonable person, the same recipe should work for any gender of wrestling. Like, are you telling me a good story that's going to make me care about this match? And once you're in the ring, are you continuing to tell a great story? Are you performing in a way that's exciting and entertaining? That should be all you need in pro wrestling. Can you tell a good story? Can you put on a fun match? And I believe if you use that formula, you can create wrestling stars, no matter their race, religion, gender, sexuality. Unless you're close minded to the thought of female performers, as long as it's a good product, it shouldn't matter who's doing it. As women continue to get opportunities in this business, they'll continue to grow and thrive, not just with female audiences, but also with the bulk of male audiences.
0: And here's my interview with Antonio Hernandez, director of Southside Suplex, a documentary about rising African-American female wrestler, Trisha Dora. I don't know any other sport where the women are the athletes or the performers and men are mostly the fans. And I just was curious to get your take on, on why do you think that is? Is it it just because wrestling mostly appeals to men? So whether it's a man or woman wrestling that, you know, regardless of who's wrestling, that men are the ones who are going to be the ones tuning in or or going to the wrestling match.
3: Yeah, I I think it's all of that. Um, because I, what I found um, as I got more into it in researching like women's wrestling, um, especially like, you know, if you go back to the 80s or the 90s, you know, uh, women wrestlers, especially in Japan, were some of the most innovative. So um, over there, you know, they're kind of responsible for a lot of the stuff that men and women do now. Um, so I felt like maybe in the in the U.S., or at least, you know, in North America, You know, women were seen as kind of just novelty and sexual objects, but you still kind of had that flow. You still kind of had um, women wrestlers who were very, um, very technical, uh, very strong. Um, They were few and far between as far as like American women wrestlers go. Uh, But you did have a bunch um, who weren't just like eye candy. You know, you still had um, women like Jazz, um, Trish Stratus, and uh you, you had women that even if they weren't that good when they were first coming out and when they were first pushed on TV and everything, they started getting better. And so I think that was part of it. You know, it's kind of like, oh, like not only are they they for the most part, you know, very like conventionally attractive, but you know, as time went on, and as they were pushing on these bigger screens, it was like you you saw that they were they were very good. And um I think part of it too is that American audiences saw, or many probably believe that women were handicapped by like physical limitations, whether real or imagined, either by size, or height, or perceived strength. And I think as time has gone on, um, that's proved to be non-existent. You know, you know, women are like just, you know, being wrestlers of the year. You know, regardless of men or women. Um, uh, you you can see people like Asuka, who's Japanese. And she kind of is, I think, one of the like embodiments of not only if she can play different roles, but as as a as a performer, but just as a as a technician, she's really good. She embodies like that hard hitting Japanese style, but she brings something something to it that um, maybe other uh, performers and other men can't. As far as being a woman, us being a feminine performer, but still having that strength. And I think that does appeal um, to men. And I don't think it's really all the time just sex appeal. I think there's also just consumers are just really respecting what women are doing, what they're bringing to it.
0: So something you said that I thought was interesting um, earlier, when you said you had the screenings of your um, the documentary you did with Trisha Dora, and you said that people were surprised that there was a female wrestler that just surprises me in the year 2020 i can understand the women from the era that i made the documentary about the 50s and 60s that's that's before women were really you know in the workforce in large numbers in any industry but even now in 2020 you get people who say they're surprised there's a a woman wrestler or a black woman wrestler
3: yeah, well, I think mm-hmm. it was more just surprised that she was just here and she just really Oh, like, here in, 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 the, there, in this DC. area for sure. Yeah, like someone right. who's been on a you know a big stage, you know she was on NXT and she's traveled a bit. So I think that's really what it was. I think people it's kind of like you don't really know unless you're really into it, but um like within the past year or two she did get a couple uh features in the Washington Post and some um local blogs and stuff but people are just surprised because it's still very initiating, and a lot of people do, do watch or did watch. I mean, you know, Wrestling was really at its peak um, and there are a lot of people who are or were fans, but to have someone who's kind of like our generation who was doing it, people were just like really surprised and people had a lot of questions um, and people were just really people just were really um, just even just in love with the idea that you just had a young, strong black woman wrestling um, who was just doing all this stuff in the ring, but out in the, you know, outside the ring, she was just very cool, very chill. Um, So I think people just really saw that and can even could even like just relate to her as a person when she was telling her story. Um, You know, she could, her story related to a lot of people who weren't wrestlers, but who, decided to leave home or come back or, you know, chase her dream or try to do something at the expense of other things in her life.
0: And I know we discussed this before, but can you tell me again how you met Trish and how you got interested in doing a documentary about her?
3: Yeah, so I met Trish because um, she was on this event. Um, There was a local organization, local wrestling organization, and she was um, in a one night tournament or at least the semifinals and finals of this tournament for the Pan-African World Diaspora um, Wrestling Championship. And so I was in a coffee shop on the morning of, it was on a Saturday, and I just happened to see this flyer. And I saw the flyer and it just said, um, like black black wrestlers and named a championship. And I, it caught my eye and then something was missing on the flyer. There was like a date or time, just something that I need to know. And I knew the, I saw the event was tonight um so and this was february like a month before the shutdown and uh i saw her name on it so i found her instagram and i was uh i dm'd her i said hey i saw this flyer, but i needed something like the time or whatever and then i ended up just going because i had a few hours before i had work that night and um i just went i just took a bunch of photos and then uh i was just floored by the whole show especially by her performance and um Pretty much right after the event ended, um, and it was like this kind of like community center type space. They had literally ten minutes to like get out. So I I just went up real quick and I said, "Hey, I'm Antonio. I'm that guy that messaged you earlier. I'm not a like crazy guy. Um, you know, I'm like a emerging filmmaker or whatever. So um, I just want to say, hey, um, I think I want to do a short film about kind of like what you're doing. And you know, I just said, hey, and then you know, I pieced out and then um. I think like a week and a half later, or something like that. We met up at a Best Boys and Poets, which is a local spot.
0: Um, I actually actually had an event there one time with a with, yeah. Go ahead. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. So um, we met at the one um, by where she lives in Anacostia in Southeast. Um, so we just met, just had coffee, and just talked about like just all types of stuff, like wrestling, just lives, because um, we kind of had like similar, similar paths in a way. And we could, like, relate to each other, like, what we're doing as far as, like, me with film and everything, her with, like, wrestling. Um, And then we decided to go ahead. And uh, that following weekend, either that weekend or the following weekend, she was defending that title that she had won um, for the first time. So um, I did an interview with her a couple days before the event. And then I went and filmed her winning that match. And then pretty much a week after that, something shut
0: down. Wow. So I know and we probably went over this before, too, but like you personally, like when did you get into wrestling and and what is it about wrestling in general, not just women's wrestling, but wrestling in general that appeals to you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I can't remember when I first got into it. I probably was just like young, like just eight or nine flipping channels and seeing things and just saying like, what is this? And like, what are these guys doing? And I just was like really just enamored with like the characters. You know, when I was younger, I think it was really much like these larger in life, <clears throat> excuse me, these larger in life like characters, these guys, um, these men and women just doing just crazy things. Um, and it was just very, I don't, I don't kind of, I would kind of wish I could go back in time and see like what I thought I was watching at the time because it's like you, you knew it was like quote unquote fake to a to a to an extent but there's always kind of blurred um this this line between reality and fiction like i i knew that they weren't really fighting you know you you can't punch someone 20 times and then they, they're still alive or you can't do all these things so it kind of felt like i was watching a combination of surrealism magic sports um and then kind of as i got o- older i kind of uh was into, you know, WCW and WWF at the time, but I got I got really into ECW because I found, it was edgy, you know, I was a teenager. So of course it had that edge, but it also, they were just doing like these kind of, it was wacky too, and wacky and not the kind of childlike way that sometimes I thought WCW and WWF was doing, but they just had these like crazy characters and crazy um, pairings um, of characters. And then I got older, I kind of learned, how it, you know how wrestlers train and everything. I started to really appreciate, you know, what was happening. Um, but definitely uh, WCW. I remember um, a friend of my mom's. Uh, he would actually, if he would get a pay per view, he would record it on VHS and give it to me because pay per views were like sixty dollars at the time. And so we didn't have the money to like buy a pay per view every month for two. So for two with that would have been like one hundred twenty bucks a month. So sometimes I would get like those VHS tapes of like, I don't know, SummerSlam or WrestleMania or um, World War III that WSW did. So that's pretty much how I got into it. And then I kind of like have like my, my ebbs and flows. Like when I got, when I was in college, kind of fell out of it. Then I got back into it probably like maybe eight years ago, something like that.
0: Do you remember um, the first time you saw uh, like a woman wrestling? Was it something that like, jumped out at you or was it just kind of something you accepted as just part of rest, you know, the wrestling industry? Was it something that stood out to you? Like, Oh, this is unusual. Or was it just like something you just kind of accepted as a, as a quote unquote normal part of the, um, you know, the matches that you were watching.
3: Um, I definitely think China was like, I think China and jazz, I believe were definitely the two definitely China was number one, just because, um, at the time you know you're just like seeing this woman but she's 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 probably not like as big but she's just as like just brolic and as built as some of the guys um and it was just really interesting because she was wrestling women but then at times she also wrestled um, men but then it was like also funny because she wasn't just involved in like these crazy angles like i remember just this one time where um, someone hit her with the low blow and then she like fell down screaming, like, like she got hit in the crotch. And then like, someone made a joke, like, why did, why did that hurt her so much? It was like, just, it was like, just like wacky, you know, just kind of random. Um, so I think as time went on, I think she, she went from kind of just being, not just being muscle, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but kind of just being more all-around performer because i remember even at the time there was also american gladiators on tv so i remember even seeing like women doing that so once when, when i started seeing more women you know when they had uh not just women like just doing like bra and panties matches and stuff like that you know what i mean but they did have women start to um just do more i was like it, it wasn't that far off because i was already kind of exposed through other things seeing women like be strong be performers so it wasn't like it wasn't super mind-blowing it's kind of just like oh
0: that's that's just what she is on the next edition of lady wrestler the story behind the story we'll hear from more men about what they enjoy about women's wrestling
2: There was a lot of women, they were hitting each other, there was a lot of screaming, uh, a lot of just craziness going on. There was just so much, my mind was like blown.
0: And we'll hear excerpts from my interview with wrestling superstar, the late Rowdy Roddy Piper, and get his perspective on women's status in the industry. When they got on the mat, they had to perform and hit harder, and they were rougher on each other than we were. Join us for the next edition of Lady Wrestler, the story behind the story. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to catch the documentary Lady Wrestler on Amazon Prime Video. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.